0: I'm Ryan. I'm James. It's going down. I hope you're ready to lose. No. You've got a mighty strong handshake. Thanks. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. What did one Dorito farmer say to the other? What? Cool ranch. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) That's good. That's pretty good. Listen. If Mary is the mother of Jesus, and Jesus is the Lamb of God. Did Mary have a little lamb? Whose fleece was white as snow. snow. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So true. My buddy told his girlfriend she drew her eyebrows on too high. She seemed surprised. Hmm. My wife said to me, if I bought her one more silly gift, She would burn it. So I bought her a candle. So thoughtful. Thank you. Because she was going to burn it anyways. So I'm like, why not? Yeah. Right? Exactly. When you have a bladder infection, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Takes a second. I got it. I got it. Why doesn't James Bond fart in bed? Because it would blow his cover. (laughs) If your wife says she'll be ready in 15 minutes, Uh there's no need to remind her every half hour. That's true. That's some solid piece of information Uh, on Father's Day. Courtney, that wasn't about you. Hmm. Tripped on my wife's bra last night. Oh, yeah. It was a booby trap. Someone asked me to name two things that hold water, and I was like, "Well, damn." Might want to start that one over, without a cuss word. <laughs> was- I got, I got Pastor Ben approved that one. Oh, did you? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I ran it by Pastor Ben. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> we can keep that one. <laughs> All right, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody? Yeah, happy Father's Day to all you guys out there, and I'm so glad you're here, so glad you're part of our church family, and I especially want to welcome everybody who's online today, Uh, whether you're watching live right now or in the future down the road a few weeks from now. We're honored that you're part of our church family, and I just want to say that if you are local to Wichita Falls, Why aren't you here, right? Come on, there's nothing like getting in the presence of God. When you're around a bunch of people and you're just in the house of God, there is nothing like it. So come on, church. Can we welcome everybody who's online with us today? So glad you're part of our church family. So um, we're gonna get into the message today and talk about um, something I felt like the Lord gave me last, uh, about two weeks ago. And I didn't know that Pastor Tom was gonna be preaching about Peter. So I'm, gonna, I'm preaching about Peter, too. If you missed last week, Pastor Tom Watson just knocked the ball out of the park. So good. You can go back and watch that. But today I want to talk about turning setbacks into comebacks. All right, Anybody ever been set back before? Come on, we all have. We've all been set back. And, and it's just, really, it's a part of life. It's, it's going to happen along the way. For some of you, maybe you were set back when uh, you lost the job. Like the, you, you were fired, or you were laid off, you were let go, or maybe you were passed up for the promotion. You didn't get the promotion. You were vying for that, and it didn't work out. Or maybe it was a setback in your marriage where maybe there was infidelity. Maybe there was something that happened that, that really um, put your marriage on the rocks. It was a rocky patch, and, and you weren't even sure if you're going to make it. But here you are today, The setback. Turned into a comeback. Now, for some people, maybe it's when you were diagnosed with the disease and you—you were—it it knocked you flat on your back. You were not ready for that. And and for some people, it's financial setbacks. It's it's the fact that you lost your house in a foreclosure, and you you lost your job. Things changed. You lost like like all of a sudden you can't pay the bills, and now you feel embarrassed, and you lost your home, and it's, it's a big deal. That's a setback, and all of those things affect us along the way. Can I just tell you, can we agree that there are going to be setbacks in life? Now, Pastor Ben, you're supposed to be more positive than this. I mean, you're supposed to lift us up. It's church. You're supposed to be positive. I'm going to be positive and tell you I'm positive there's going to be setbacks in life. I'm positive, right? So uh, Jesus, he... he he never promised that things would just be A-OK. In fact, Jesus said there will be troubles along the way. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have trouble. There's going to be some things that don't go your way, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And I love what Peter says. He says in, in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, cast all your anxiety on him why why should we take our anxiety to jesus because he cares for us take your anxiety to him because he cares for you and then verse 8 says you got to be alert and of sober mind why because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone that he can set back he's looking for someone that that has wandered off from the pack somebody that he can devour somebody that he can knock their feet out from under him come on somebody that's his job description we know why he exists. So, so what we've got to do is we've got to learn when we're in the middle of a setback is to cast all our anxieties, all of our cares, all of our worries on him. It starts right there, right? All right. So let me give you, let me give you three reasons why I think we experience setbacks. This is not in your notes, but you can, uh, you can add those to the note section of your sheet there. Three reasons why we experience setbacks. Number one, it's because things that happen to us it's the fact that somebody lied to us we were hurt we were betrayed somebody did something to us and and it set us back and then we're we're set back along the way because of things that ha- that were taken from us things that someone took from us they they maybe took our security maybe maybe they took our job they took that promotion right maybe in a, in a deeper way it was something it was something much deeper. Maybe they took something by way of abuse. And they took something from you. But I think a lot of times our setbacks come from not what people did to us, not what they took from us, but that comes from what we did ourselves. Come on. Anybody with me today? It comes from what? I mean, our own sin. It comes from decisions that we made, and, and it set us back. And so I, I, I want to take a minute just to kind of I wanna clear the air of some misconceptions. You know, a lot of people, uh, they look at the pastor on the stage and they go, oh, their life is perfect. They don't have any trouble. They, you know, a lot, of peop- a lot of people think that preachers, pastors, come from the pastor factory. <laughs> that we, we, uh, we grew up in a perfect home. We were raised by perfect parents, right? And then we, when we got married, we had a perfect home and we've got a perfect family, we've got perfect kids. Some people think that. One time, somebody told my wife, well, I would talk to you about this, but you just wouldn't understand. As if, well, like we don't have issues and we don't have problems, right? If you don't think we have problems, you should have been at Taco Tuesday last week, right? It was my kids getting in trouble in the pool. If you don't think we, if if you think our kids are perfect and our family's perfect, just go ask the kids people back there, whose kids sneak out of the class? It's ours. For real. For real. I'm like, we don't have it together, we're not perfect, we're human. And, and so I think it's helpful every once in a while to just kind of just peel back the curtain and just to be transparent, to show you some of the setbacks that we've had along the way. And I don't want to glorify these, but I, I want to just tell you some of my setbacks so that you know the person who's standing up here speaking today doesn't have it all together. Right? And, and that is when I was five years old... Um, I was introduced for the first time to pornography in my uncle's trailer in Florida. And, you know, it wasn't something that I had seen in my house growing up. I was only five, but it, it did something. It robbed me of some innocence and later on became an issue in my life. When I was seven, two years later, my dad died. He was 36 years old when he died. He had colon cancer. Talk about a setback and what that does to a young man who all of a sudden, doesn't have a father. Doesn't have somebody to show up at their ball games and somebody to, you know, talk to and, and pray for them and, and a dad to be there, right? And, and then when I was 13, another setback, I was abused by a youth leader. And then when I was 23, married. We lived in Alabama at the time. When I was 23 years old, my mom passed away. She was young. She was 52, and so for the last 15 years, I've been an orphan. Like I haven't had a mom or a dad. My, my grandparents are all gone. Like it's, it's been a little bit of a setback. A year and three days after my mom passed away, my father-in-law passed away, unexpectedly, heart attack. It was a setback. And, and, and we've had other setbacks along the way. We've had setbacks in our marriage, setbacks in our finances, setbacks in, in ministry. And, and, and that's just part of life. It's going to happen. Come on, can I just get a witness today? Like, we're not trying to glorify that, but I think we would do ourselves a favor to just know and realize life isn't going to be perfect. We're going to go through some hard times. And, and so um, if we're not careful, though, when we're going through a setback, we'll begin to make some foolish decisions. We'll begin to do some things that really... Don't benefit us. In your notes, you can jot this down. In the middle of a setback, sometimes we'll begin to drift from our goals. We'll begin to drift from the things that God has put in our hearts. We'll begin to settle for things that we used to not settle for. Like there were things that we were passionate about, things that we were on fire for God about, but during a setback, we will often drift from those things. Number two is we'll often discard our values the things that we hold dear, the things that matter most to us, will begin to start letting go by the wayside. Maybe we're not reading the Bible like we used to. Maybe we're not spending time in prayer. You know, Maybe, maybe we're not showing up to small group anymore. Maybe we decide, I, well, I'm in the middle of all this mess, this setback that I'm in. I can't serve. God doesn't want me to serve, and we stop serving. Maybe, maybe we're in the middle of a situation, and we... We stop living generously. We stop coming to church. We stop worshiping the Lord like we used to because these were things that we valued, but all of a sudden, now we feel like we're disqualified because of the setback. And, and then the, the last thing we'll do a lot of times is we'll despair about our future. We'll say, God can't use somebody like me. It's always gonna be this way. It's always gonna, I, I'm, it's never gonna get better. There's, it's doom, gloom agony on me, right? Wasn't that an old uh, hee-haw song? Gloom, doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Right? Y'all didn't know I could sing like that, did you? Oh, hee-haw. Now, all I I need is a pitchfork and a, a little straw hat up here. But that becomes our song in the middle of a setback. And so I just, as a pastor, I've watched a lot of people make those kind of decisions when they go through crisis. They, they make decisions really, you just wonder, man, why, why are you doing that? And so today, uh, I, I want to help you understand that a true test of faith is not how high you can jump when you're singing the praise of God. A true test of faith is how straight you can walk when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. So today I'm going to show you um, a scripture. I love this scripture. I didn't know Pastor Tom was talking about, uh, was, was talking about Peter, and, and I want to give you a scripture on Peter today. We're going to look at a story from the Bible to help us understand how to turn setbacks into comebacks. But before I do that, let me give you a little context, a little background to the story, okay? And, and that is that um, Peter and Andrew are brothers. In this story, we're about to read, they're brothers, and then you've got James and John, who are also brothers. So Peter and Andrew, they have a fishing boat. James and John, they've got a fishing boat. They're partners in, in business together. They're like brothers from another mother. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, They're close to each other because they, they have this business together. Well, um, some of my favorite memories growing up were, were about, uh, especially my dad. I'm going to give you a little, little memory from dad. Some of, some of my dad's favorite memories activity was was fishing. Anybody like to fish? Man, he loved to fish. And he worked um, construction at the Watts Bar Nuclear Plant in East Tennessee. It, Tennessee has a lot of nuclear plants. And uh, because of the Tennessee Valley Authority and the Tennessee River right there is rich for all of that. And so he helped do some excavation and things like that. He operated the heavy machinery, and he loved to fish. Grew up fishing, was a, was a commercial fisherman at one time. And and we would go to the Tennessee River, and we would fish. And one of the things I loved most was coming home and filleting those fish and playing with the eyeballs and things like that. It's kind of gross, right? But, uh, man, it was just some of my best memories. And, and remember, he died when I was seven, so I don't have a lot of memories of him. But he loved to fish. I do remember that. And um, so... uh. Growing up close to the Tennessee River, we used to hear rumors and legends that there were catfish the size of Volkswagens in the Tennessee River. Y'all ever heard stories like that before? Or a fish with 12 eyes. It's because of that nuclear plant, right? You know, they're putting some stuff in the water. And we heard all kinds of stories. And it reminded me of a, the time that Boudreaux went fishing with the game warden. Boudreaux went fishing with the game warden now. Nobody else was catching fish on the bayou, but, but Boudreaux would come home every day with a truckload of fish. And, and everybody's like, Boudreaux, how you catch these fish? And Thibodeau said, well, it's because y'all don't know how to fish. You're going to have to go with Boudreaux if you want to know how to fish. So the, the game warden went with him the next day and he said, Boudreaux, I'm just ready to see how you catch these fish when can't nobody else catch the fish. So he goes out there and about that time, as soon as he's finished saying that, Boudreaux has lit a stick of dynamite. And he lets the fuse get down real short and he throws it out into the bayou and boom, it, it explodes and all these fish start coming belly up, right? And, and the game warden says, you can't do that, Boudreaux, this is against the law, you can't do this. And Boudreaux's already lit another stick of dynamite, handed it to the game warden. The game warden says, this is illegal, Boudreaux, you go to jail for this. And Boudreaux said, you're going to argue with me or fish, right? Now that's a little... Uh, that's a little funny right there. No matter what kind of fishing story you've heard, there is no fishing story like the one we're going to read from John chapter 5 today, or Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. And the context is, is Peter and Andrew are brothers, James and John are brothers. They are in a fishing business together. This is before they are disciples. They are not following Jesus yet, okay? And they've just spent 10 hours out on the Sea of Galilee fishing fishing and didn't catch a thing. They've been out there all night long with zilch, zero, nada, nothing, nothing's biting. And, and Jesus comes along, and he, uh, he's he got some people crowding around him, and he asks to get into Peter's boat, and that's kinda where we're gonna catch up the story. All right. So Luke chapter five, verse one through 11 says that, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, now this, this lake also is known as the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, yeah, Lake of Gennesaret is like the Lake Tahoe of northern Israel, okay? And so the people are there, they're crowding around Jesus, listening to the word of God. And it says that he saw, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats and, and they were left there by the fishermen, by James and John and by Peter and Andrew. And they were washing their nets, what does that mean? They done, right? They're finished, they're ready to go home, clocking out, how am I going to explain to my wife I don't have dinner for tonight, that I don't have an income, that we can't pay our taxes, that we don't have money to buy groceries? They're done. And so Jesus gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter. And he asked him to put it out a little bit from the shore. He, the reason he did this is because when he's standing on the shore, the ground absorbs uh, sound. But when you go out on the water, the water amplifies it. It kind of of reflects the sound. So more people can hear Jesus when he's out on the boat a little bit. And he sits down there and he teaches the people from the boat. And here's the first thing in your notes. If you're going to turn a setback into a comeback, the first thing you've got to do is invite God into every area of your life. Now, let me make it plain for you. What Peter did was he let Jesus get in the boat. And if you want to turn a setback into a comeback, you've got to let Jesus in your boat. Come on, you've got to let Jesus in your boat. See, when Peter looked at the boat, what he saw was a setback. He saw something that wasn't making any money. It wasn't providing for his family. He was frustrated. He sensed failure. But when Jesus got into the boat, come on, somebody, things begin to change for Peter. And we've got to let Jesus into our boat. So they've pulled an all-nighter. They're tired they're worn out, they're they're discouraged, they're they're empty. They don't have anything to take home, and some of you feel that way today. You're tired, you're discouraged, you've got an empty life because of the setback that you're in the middle of right now. And I I want you to get this. Some of you have God in your lives, but the key phrase is every area. Invite God into every area. See, for some of us, he's in our Sunday, but he's not in your Monday. Like, he's in your... He's in your Bible reading time, but he's not going to work with you. Like, he's, he's with you when you go to small group and you're learning something there, but he's not in your friendships. Am I, I preaching today? Is this okay? All right. All right. I know I've been gone. I, I hadn't preached like four or five weeks, so I'm just, you know, getting back in the thing, right? So, and I'm fired up. So, so Peter, like, like, he sees failure when he looks at this situation. And for some of us, we've got God in our lives, but he's, he's not in every area of our lives. And it's time to put him in every part, to get Jesus in our boat, because when Jesus gets in the boat, things begin to change. Things turn around, I'm telling you, they do. I love what Paul says in Colossians, that everything you say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? That, that Jesus should be everything, he should be in everything you do and, and everything that you say. So invite him into every part of your lives, all right? We're going to keep reading this story. Keep reading this story. Verse four, that when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, to Peter, put, put out into the deep water and let, let down the nets for a catch. Now, uh, like, they didn't have big vessels and ships like we're thinking about. I'm, uh, maybe, maybe there were some of those, but like a common fisherman's not going to have a boat like you see on the deadliest catch, right? Right? This is this is a smaller boat, and they're not fishing deep, deep waters. They're 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 out there a little over your head, but like it's it's not way out in the middle, right? And so uh, Jesus says, "Go to the deep waters." And Simon answers, "I don't want to." Go go back to that last verse. Let me show him something here. In the last the, the last verse, he says, "Let down your nets." What did they just do with their nets? They cleaned them. Oh, Jesus, Um, I I just want to make sure you know that I'm the professional fisherman here. I know you're a carpenter, but you don't really know what I know about fishing. I mean, I I know this, Jesus. I know this lake by the back of my hand. I know when the fish are biting and when they're not. Why do you think we were up all night, Jesus? Because the fish don't bite in the morning time. They're biting at night. They're coming up to the surface. That's why we're fishing. Come on, Jesus. Get a grip on it, right? Right? And so he's a little aggravated, I think. In the next verse, he says, we've worked hard all night and we didn't catch anything. And now you want me to put the boat back out there, put these nets that I just cleaned? But because you say so, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna let down the nets. Now, here's the second thing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna turn setbacks to comebacks is you've gotta get honest with God. And I think that's what Peter's doing there. He's just kind of pouring out his heart. And a lot of us, we've come to believe that that. It's not okay for us to talk to God like that, like he can't handle our problems, like he can't handle our attitude. And I, I just think that it's okay for us to, to just tell God how we feel sometimes. God, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like putting out into the, 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 the sea. I've already cleaned my nets, Jesus. What are you, what are you leading me to? And, and it seems like a little ridiculous point because Jesus knows everything, doesn't he? He's omniscient. He knows everything. There's nothing that you could tell him that he doesn't already know. He knows what people are feeling, he knows what people are, are going through. So, you telling God something, you getting honest with God, isn't for God's sake, it's for your sake. It's, it's for you. So, it's, it's kind of like this um, Imagine a two liter bottle, right? You, you, feel, uh, you get a two liter bottle full of soda and you shake it up and you, you open it up. What's going to happen? it explodes. It just spews everywhere. And then you got a mess, don't you? That's what happens with us, though. We're full. We haven't let the air out of our emotions. We've been dealing with all this stuff. We haven't gotten honest with God. And then life comes along. It shakes us up, and we explode on people. And then we got some cleanup to do. And listen, I'm just saying it's time to get honest with God. It's time to, it's, it's really time to just tell him how you feel. Listen, it's not for his sake, it's for your sake. And God can handle your emotions because he created your emotions. He created them. All right, let's keep going with this story. Keep going with the story. In verse number six, when they had done, when they had done this, when they launched out into the deeper waters, let the net down, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. That's a lot of fish. Their nets began to break and they signaled for their partners. Hey, James, John, come come on, come on. They, they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled their boats so full that the boats began to sank, to sink. Come on, that's a lot of fish. But I want you to notice what they did. They called for help. That's number three. If we're going to go from setback to comeback, we're going to have to call for help. Like, who are you going to call? Not the, not the Ghostbusters, right? They're not showing up. But what Peter and Andrew do is they call for help. They call their partners. They've got somebody in their life who can come around them and help them. So Let me say it this way. I'm, I'm serious about this point because just... Just this week alone, I heard some stories of people who are going through setbacks in church. You're going through something. And Annalise and I, we're talking and, you know, how are they doing and what small group are they in? They're not in a small group. They don't have anybody to come alongside them, to lift them up. You're going through something, but you're going through it alone. And that was never God's intended model. God never intended, like he told us we're going to have trouble. He told us there's going to be setbacks. But he he never said we had to do this alone, guys. Like there's people around us to lift us up and to encourage us. And, and, And it hurts my heart when I see people going through life and they're going through it alone. They're doing things by themselves and you're missing out. When you go through life alone, you're missing out on God's best for you because you can't accomplish God's best for you uh, without the help of somebody else. Yeah. You're going to have to have somebody else yeah. that comes alongside you. Now, that's what, that's what Peter and Andrew do. They call for help. But when we, when we experience setbacks, when setbacks knock us on our back, we have two choices. You can choose, you can choose to let people in or you can choose to push people away. You can choose to let people in, let them help you, let them pray for you, let them, let them encourage you, let them hold you accountable, or you can choose to push people away and build walls of isolation and say, no, I can do this myself. I don't really want to let anybody know what's going on in my life. It's, it's embarrassing. It's hurtful. They'll make fun of me. They'll gossip, whatever. We come up with all these excuses on why we don't let people in, but the common response is the wrong response. The most common response is that we build walls and we push people away, and that's never going to work in God's in God's kingdom. It's never going to work in the way that God intended me. Is this helping anybody today? It's not going to work that way so but that's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to wander away from the herd. Why? Because he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. and you know what the predators they don't, they, they don't go after the, the herd they go after the one who's off by themselves, right? So this is why we need people. We need people because there is an enemy, the devil, who's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need people who, who can be our herb. They can, they, they can be our tribe. Come on, somebody. They can be the ones that we talk with, that we, that we talk about what's going on in our lives. And let me, let me say it this way. This is the best advice, advice I can give you today. The best advice I can give you is to get, to get somebody else in your life. The best thing I can give you. Where, where do you find these kind of people, Pastor Ben? Where do, you, where do you find these people that you're talking about? People that can be your friends, people that can pray for you, people who can lift you up? Right here. Right here. I know there's some people watching online and, and you're watching maybe because you're traveling, or, but maybe some of you are watching, you're just, you're you're, you're you're watching out of isolation. And I don't know why I'm saying this other than there's, there's a lot of things you can get out of this service at home. But you can't get friends at home. You, you, can't, you can't get friends when you're locked up by yourself. And I'm just saying now's the time for some of us to get out of isolation. To get out of isolation. I'll say it a different way. Uh, right here, the local church is where you find help. It's where you find that kind of advice, those kinds of friends. It's when you get in a room like this and, and the worship kicks off and, and, and people are pressing in and, and, and the presence of God shows up and, and lives are being changed and people are being changed and people are being set free and you get a new perspective about the situation that you're going through and this setback is no longer such a big deal to you anymore because you get into God's presence. But the other place you can find this, this, this friend is in a small group. It's when you get together with 10 or 12 other people and, and you really just say, hey, you know what? This is, this is what I'm dealing with. I need you to pray for me. I need you to lift me up. And th- here, here's, here's what I love. Last week, we weren't here, but on Tuesday, I met a couple who came to church for the very first time. They just moved here from California. We're going to an ARC church similar to this out, out there. And they just moved in and came to church first week that they're here. And they get in a small group the first week that they're here. And and what I saw in that was a a couple who know what it means to be in a relationship with somebody else. And that's what I want for you. Is to to just kind of pull back all of the facade like we all got it together and to call for help. Because if Peter and Andrew hadn't called their partners for help, the boat would have sank. The nets would have broken. And they would have missed out on the comeback that God had for them. Yeah. Amen. That, is, that was so good, Pastor Ben. I mean, that is the best preaching I have heard in a long time. Because you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. That's Stuart Smalley, for those of you who don't know, Saturday Night Live. Listen, I, I was going to say I'm preaching better than y'all are Amen and right? So here, here let's, let's pick up the story. I'm, I'm leaving a lot out of today's message because I've, I've, I've got I've to hurry. Um, verse number eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. So he realizes now that Jesus is just more than another guy. And he, he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. They had like, never seen something like this before. Jesus performs a miracle so that he can get them to a place of comeback, right? Now, the last verse, verse 10 says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. Now, this is more than a statement. This is a promise. Jesus is promising Peter something here. And he says, it says that they pulled their nets, their, their boats up from the shore onto the shore and they left everything and they followed Jesus. This is more than a statement. It's a promise. And the last thing that we need to do if we're gonna go from setbacks to comebacks is to rest assured in God's promises. Not the things of this world, not the things that we hope for to happen. No, the promises of God. Listen, if, if Jesus can do for For Peter, if he can orchestrate a miracle like this for Peter and these and these future disciples, what could he do for you? Like if he could do this for Peter, what can he do for us? Now, I just happen to believe that the God of yesterday is still the same God today. That if he did a miracle back then for Peter, he can do it today. Like he's still the same. His his abilities haven't changed from the beginning of the earth to today. He's still the same miracle-working God. And if he did it then, he can do it now. But he gives gives Peter a promise. Peter buys into that promise, pardon the pun, hook, line, and sinker, right? Like he goes all in. He leaves everything to become a fisher of people. But here's the thing. A lot of times we think, well, if I give my life to Jesus, if if I... let him into every part of my life, then everything is gonna be rosy. It's just gonna be great, no more problems, no more setbacks, but that's not true. From that day forward, Peter had setback after setback, failure after failure, frustration after frustration, and, and li- listen to some of them, from that point on, Peter failed when he rebuked Jesus to his face. He failed when he tried to walk on water, but he began to doubt. He failed when he cut off the servant's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. He failed when he denied Jesus three times. He failed when he didn't care to show up at the crucifixion. He failed when he went back to his old life. He had setbacks of of imprisonment and beatings and abandonment. He was crucified. He was set back, crucified, upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be killed like my Lord. He had setbacks after setback but maybe god is trying to take your setback to a setup because for every setback there is there is a comeback come on somebody jesus has something greater for you there's a promise to hold on to And for every, like he wants to turn your setback to a setup that maybe he's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Maybe you're going through something right now that you don't understand why you're dealing with, but some point along the way in the future, it's going to help somebody and somebody's going to grow and they're going to be discipled and they're going to have eternity in heaven because of you, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're in the middle of something right now. You're in the middle of some misery. I want you to hold on to this promise. In Joshua chapter, chapter 21, it says that not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. But everything he spoke, came true let me tell you something everything that god has promised will come true you can bank on god's promises when nothing seems certain god's promises are certain you can cash them in you can bank on them you can you can count on it why because second corinthians says this paul says for the promises of god are yes and amen come on let's give god thanks today his promises are true his promises are true amen Will you bow your heads with me today? I'm just going to leave it all on the table today. I'm just leaving it all on the field. Some of you are going through a setback right now. And before we move any further, let me just ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering to your heart today? What's he saying about where you're at in life right now? Maybe you're in the middle of a setback. I don't know what that is for you. But it's between you and the Lord. Maybe you've let some people in on it. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're isolated. Maybe you haven't given God access to every area. You haven't invited him into every area of your life. Maybe you've been bottling up all these emotions. You're not honest with God. Maybe you've been doing it on your own. You're not calling for help. You're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to handle it all by yourself. Or maybe you've just uh, given up on God altogether. You've given up on his promises. You've given up on his word. And I just want to invite you to believe again. I want to invite you to, to believe that maybe this setback for you is a setup for what God has for you. That maybe he's trying to do something in your life that you don't understand. That you can't comprehend. But there's a comeback coming. Peter didn't understand, why am I going to fish again? Like, I've been doing this all night. He did it anyway. Maybe it's time to just believe anyway. And if you're here today, you're in a setback. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? I'm in a setback. i got stuff on my plate. I'm going through the middle of something. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else, just say, that's me, Ben. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know some of your setbacks. I know what you're going through. And my heart is hurting for you today. Father, right now for every person who's in a setback. They're in the middle of something that's frustrating and it feels like a failure and it feels like something that is it, it's not working out. God, I thank you that you are the God of miracles. You are the God of breakthrough. You are the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think according to the spirit's power that works in us. And so Lord, I thank you today that you're able to do that for every hand that was lifted, for every person that raised their hand. God, you have a comeback waiting for them. That you, you have a, you're setting them up for something great God I thank you for that and I declare I, pr- I just thank you in advance that you're beginning to turn things around in the middle of these setbacks help us to believe again help us to believe again in Jesus name and with your head still bowed, if you if you're here and and uh, your setback is the fact that you just don't know Jesus your setback is you're not in relationship with Jesus. You're doing things in your own power. You're doing things in your own ability. You're calling the shots. You're in charge of your life. You, 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 you're, you're doing what you want to do, right? And, and the reason you need a savior is because you can't save yourself no matter how hard you try. And Jesus is the savior of the world. He wants to to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants a relationship with you. Here's the thing. You have to ask him for it. You have to surrender. You have to make room for him in your life. And if that's you today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Say that's me, Ben. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else say, I I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Three or four people already said that's me. Amen. Well, let's say this prayer together. Let's say this. Everybody out loud, loud, let's declare this, this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I surrender. Will you take my life? Forgive me. Cleanse me wash me make me new give me a fresh start I'm sorry for doing things my way I accept your forgiveness will you lead me guide me be my savior my Lord and from this day forward I will follow you the best that I know how thank you for loving me Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's thank God for his presence and his power. Amen.